Welcome to the In Conversation with Expo Stars podcast. I am Lee Ali, founder and MD of Expo Stars Interactive, an award-winning global live marketing and exhibition engagement agency. This is a podcast about leading the way in the live marketing industry and in business. In every episode, we speak to people around the world who do absolutely amazing work. You'll find an eclectic mix of stories and valuable insights on audience engagement, sales and marketing, mindset and well-being, business growth, and much more. We've been active in the live marketing industry for well over a decade now, and over that time, we've been very fortunate and privileged to have met and worked with a diverse range of inspiring business people. We ask them thought-provoking questions and share with you their valuable insights. We want to inspire you to transform your live marketing, engage your audience, grow your business, and enjoy the process. Happy listening. Hello. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode number six of In Conversation with Expo Stars with me, Lee Ali, uh, the CEO and founder of Expo Stars Interactive. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking about engagement post-COVID. Uh, obviously, over the last 12 months, we've had pandemic events have been cancelled and uh, postponed. Um, and the impact, uh, not only um, is it the venues and the exhibition organizers, but one of the big impacts that we are going to see is how the interactive uh, engagement is going to play out um, post-COVID. Uh, obviously, long gone are the days where we could actually uh, create a massive crowd in front of a booth. Um, so what does that actually look like? And discussing that with me today is uh, Ken Newman, uh, uh, CEO of Magnet Productions. Now, the thing about Ken, uh, I met him for the first time uh, two weeks ago, but uh, we've actually worked on the same trade show floor. We've been in the industry for over the past uh, 15 to 20 years. And it's amazing that we've actually never met in the past. Um, <laughs> but here he is. Hi, Ken. How are you? Oh, it's great. I'm really, really glad our paths crossed. I feel like we're brothers from another mother. We, just, <laughs> we started talking about things like, yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. Yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. It's really exciting to, to ever, anytime you hook up with somebody where you're spending all your time kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe we haven't met before. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was one of those wonderful moments. And I just, I cherish those, quite honestly. Fantastic. So tell us a, a bit more about your background, how you got involved with the world of exhibitions and okay. what yeah. really what really excites you about exhibitions? Well, you know, it's I I, I think, you know, the, the 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 strongest support for the argument that I that I that I really do um, enjoy this is that I've been doing it on well, pretty much for about 25, 30 years. And it's still it's still exciting to me. And it's one of the reasons the past 12, 14 months has been you know, me champing at the bit to get back out there doing it again. I started, my background is acting. I was an actor in New York. I did television and a lot of theater and some film work and uh, started working in educational theater where we learned how to use humor to communicate kind of difficult themes to kids throughout the state of California. It's a huge educational theater company, the biggest in the country. We did really important subjects, you know, things like teen sexuality, peer pressure, bullying, multiracial themes to kids who just didn't want to sit there and be told this is the way it is. So we used entertainment to do that. We used comedy, we used multiple characters, music. And so everything was kind of couched in a real humorous you know, container, but the message was there. That was the underlying message. We transitioned from that when our funding disappeared in education 
to corporate stuff. We would deal with difficult subjects for corporations. And it was more on the entertainment side, uh, even though we would deal with difficult things. You know, it might be like a rivalry between marketing and R&D, which let's just face it, happens a lot. Um, for example, HP was one of our biggest clients, uh, you know, earliest and biggest clients. And we would do shows for them at, you know, their big sales kickoffs and company meetings where we would kind of, you know, it was it had an element of a roast to it. It had an element of um, a celebration to it, but it would always deal with the real serious issues in a lighthearted way that was just enough, put a, just enough of an edge on it for people to go, yep, that's us. And they would feel united by the fact that everything was about them. As part of that work, we started to do trade shows. And that's when it got crazy. That's when we realized, you know what? You're in a convention hall with hundreds, if not thousands of companies, and everybody is just grabbing at you. I mean, there was a sort of like frenetic, I'm going to get your share of mind if it kills us both. <laughs> and, you know, as you know, nine times out of time, nine times out of 10, that, that attempt was a failed attempt because it was yeah. like, this technology is really good. And these 747 PowerPoint slides are going to prove it to you, you know, and the audience is sitting there going, you know, yeah. because they know 25 yeah. minutes later, they've already exhausted all the time they have for your booth. So yeah. we decided to break, you know, break the fourth wall, really kind of throw things, throw the sort of the conventional way of doing things under the bus. And we came up with one of the first things we did was a heckler routine. We would get somebody positioned and completely credible as a product manager talking intelligently if a little bit boringly about the, the product and then we would plant somebody in the audience you know with two bags full of trade show giveaways you know the obligatory pocket protector the really annoying voice and taking the devil's advocate position saying no 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 that everybody says the same thing here you know you all order 24 by 7 mission critical paradigm shifting solution to enable cross-platform deliverables what does that mean you know, and people would get nervous and uncomfortable, which is exactly what we wanted. And then the dialogue would ensue. People would eventually realize it was a joke. You know, the, the weird character might come up on stage and then it would suddenly be a sort of a, a dialogue with a little bit of conflict in it to sort of help drive the narrative. But it was always 80% content, 20% humor, right? And then we started bringing in all kinds of other elements. You know, we would come up with a number of different types of game shows where again, content was key. We would bring in a, a guy getting out of a straitjacket riding a nine foot unicycle while talking about security, you know? And so people yeah. are obviously now, instead of 15, 20 people in the booth, there's 40 people seated, 300 standing and everybody's going, oh my gosh, this, is, this guy's gonna kill himself, but they're getting the message. We've incorporated magicians, as you probably have seen at a lot of trade shows, but our, um, formula was to still keep the 80-20 rule, 80% content, 20%. So for example, if, you know, if somebody were to come up and say, you know, he'd say, can I borrow a $20 bill? Here's a $20 bill. Can I borrow another? Here's a $20 bill. Okay, this $20 bill represents you, your particular needs, this, the, what you bring to the game. This $20 bill represents us. And I would go down a quick list of some of the, you know, features and benefits. You put those two 20s together. It's not 40. Really, it's something greater than the sum of the parts. And, you know, the notion of magic and what magic can do, really, because it's just two things coming together, like any kind of successful relationship, business, personal, or otherwise, when you see that, it creates, as a psychologist call a cognitive dissonance. It's like, wait, something, something's wrong. Yeah. And that yeah. focuses their attention in that moment. Yeah. If you ask somebody three hours after a show, what do you remember in the, you know, in the Bitdefender booth? Oh, this guy took two 20s and turned them into 100. Well, what was he talking about? Oh, one of them was uh, uh, gravity zone and the other one was um, total memory control, blah, blah. And right, yeah. they remember it because it creates this 
mnemonic device, this connection to the message. Yeah. So yeah. everything, again, supported by the education stuff that I started with way back when, 30 plus years ago, you know, if you want to make a message sticky, memorable, you do stuff, you, you know, you turn it into a melody of a song. It's how I learned the alphabet, how we all learn the alphabet, right? As yeah. kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and so it's, it, that was kind of the, the approach, you know, that, that got us into it. And because we're constantly having to reinvent ourselves and come up with new ideas and, you know, companies would bring us in eight years, nine years in a row, we would do a takeoff on CSI, talk about yeah. the death of a network and do a forensic yeah. investigation, yeah. do a takeoff on Star Trek and build a set of the enterprise, you know, yeah. and everything was couched in those terms. So it was, yeah. it keeps us, you know, it's thrilling to, to have a challenge how am I going to communicate this message and not make it boring? And you come up with some idea that hasn't been done before. And yeah, there you are. Absolutely. So. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I've seen some of the videos on your website and it is absolutely mind blowing. And I guess <laughs> one thing I really love about your approach is that what you're getting uh, on the trade show floor is getting people out of that trance that they're actually in because once people walk in to a trade show floor, they're bombarded with all of these, uh, booths like a massive uh, crowd that they have to navigate as well so mm -hmm. and then uh, they are actually in a trance and you know they don't know where to go where to look uh, who to talk to and what you're doing is saying hey stop um, and you've got that comedic element to it and um, it was interesting that you said about uh, the magician uh, element one of the criticisms I've always had of companies using magicians, it was, there was no end product, okay? They would use magicians to right. uh, attract the crowd, mm -hmm. but what was actually after that, okay? Because people mm -hmm. think there's a magic routine, but they've seen the magic, so what? Okay, what's next? So what you've done is actually taken that into, you're using that as part of the first element, which is uh, breaking the ice, getting them to, come over, get some, grab some, uh, grab some attention, get them curious. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen in, in terms of uh, your activations is that there's a follow-up product as well, because you invite them sure. to go and have a presentation as well. So tell me sure. about some of the mistakes that you've seen a lot of the exhibitors make on the trade show floor. Well, that's a great question. Thanks for asking that. The, the, um, I mean, some of the mistakes I think right off the bat are, um, and and it's a difficult thing to say because it, you know companies don't ever want to admit that that their message isn't the most compelling message on the trade show floor, nor do they want to suggest that the people that they bring to the show to communicate that, you know, aren't the the best equipped to tell the story. And those are two of the biggest problems. I mean, companies will, uh, you know, will come to a booth or come to a show and they'll say. Well, I'll add a third one. They'll say, okay, we want the biggest footprint on the trade show floor. We're going to go with a 40 by 40, 50 by 50. And they pay a premium for that. Yeah. And that's great, you know, if they want the bragging rights of that. Then they build a booth that architecturally is absolutely stunning. I mean, it's the Taj Mahal of booths, but it's all walls. Yeah. And so there isn't like an easy point to get in. It isn't easy to see other things going on in the booth. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third thing is they'll say, well, here's the message that we have. And we want to communicate this and we want to make it, you know, it's, it's really important that people get all of this. Yeah. And so they'll have a 15 minute presentation that is essentially features and benefits and features and benefits, but it doesn't do the thing that I know is so key to your philosophy of trade shows, which is generate empathy. Let the audience know 
yeah. that we on stage and this technology understands the, the specific problems that you have. And I just don't mean work-related problems. I mean, spending 70 hours a week working in your office when you should just be spending 30 or 40, spend the rest of the time with your family, right? Of course, yeah. and, then, and then on top of that, they have, they'll have somebody there who, I mean, you know, I have seen this at trade shows. We all have, you know, and they're up there just kind of like, I'd like to welcome you to, uh, we're really excited about this technology. And I'm going to show you here on the first, first slide. Um, that, and, and basically he reads everything that's on the slide, yeah, right? And the slide is enough. like, you know, two, you know, six point type, you know, yeah, the audience yeah. is sitting there and you know that even if they're, you know, sitting there like this, their inner lid is closed. Yeah, they're not even yeah. paying attention. You yeah, know, because absolutely. there's no attempt to break that the, to break that barrier, right? To break yeah. what we call the fourth wall. Yeah. So, you know, you're right when you said, um, you know, that magic can do that. But as you said as well, which is totally true, companies will say, no, our company, our, our product is really serious, and we have to take a serious approach. Yeah. I said, well, you don't. You don't yeah. have to take a serious, i.e., critical, i.e., like life-ending approach. Yeah. You can take a human approach, and if yeah. you use you know, some kind of a card trick or some kind of a money trick or something like that, as long as it's not gratuitous, it's not just, I'm going to show you how incredible my skills are at linking rings together or at making yeah. ropes appear long or short. Yeah. Instead saying, you know, each of these rings represents, we'll call it a really big bullet point. All right. So this, this particular ring represents, and you talk about that particular talking point, and then you take a second one and you say that, and you take a third one and a fourth one. And now you're using something and the audience is watching your hands. They're not reading something on a screen. You've, yeah. you've, you've, you've gotten your client to sort of focus on maybe three specific points that you're going to repeat over the course of the presentation. Then as you link the rings together, you say we're providing you an end-to-end -end solution that incorporates all of these pieces. And now they have something that triggers their memory later when they're thinking, what was it about those three points? One was, yeah. ah, I remember one was this and one was this. Yeah. And, you know, and then when, when all is said and done, you know, we will tell our clients, look, you don't have to answer all the questions that people in the audience have. You don't have to tell them everything about your product. What you have yeah. to do is get them to ask more questions than you provide answers so that they are encouraged and in fact compelled to come into the booth, go to the stations, get some, you know, get, get a, a, a more, you know, a, an in-depth look at the technology. So you yeah. say, look, you have three problems. We address this one, this one, and this one. But obviously there's four or five other issues. Am I correct? You poll the audience. They say, yeah, well, in much the same way as we solve those problems, we can solve the rest of your problems. And if you come on into the booth and give us 90 seconds to explain what we can do, and now you've got that traffic coming in, which is really what the whole point is anyway, yeah, right? Absolutely, Real yeah. yeah, I love that approach because it actually focuses on uh, the challenges of the attendees, okay? It's not about, as I often say uh, to exhibitors, it's not actually about you, which is counterintuitive when you think that they're spending all this money on the booth, and you tell them that it's not about you. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever likes to hear that it's not about you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, obviously your client list, uh, just looking at your website and your client list, look, obviously it's the who's who of Silicon Valley. Uh, you've worked with people like Citrix and Infoblox and all of these kind of companies. So um, what, I mean, Obviously, the technology uh, that you actually work on, the presentations that you work on, uh, and the subject matter can be quite boring. So what's your creative process of taking something that's really so technical and making it into a fun presentation? Um, so what kind of things, what kind of processes do you actually go through with your client 
to turn it into something that's quite memorable? Um, that, that's another great question. Thanks. The, the, um, you know, I think the thing that people forget is that no matter what the technology is, there is a way to, to sort of eke out the human aspect of it. You know, the thing that, that, you know, people just think, well, we do this thing and we make this widget and this widget does this thing and that's about it. I said, yeah, yeah but who, who are the people using the widget? Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What does it do for them? Yeah. Well, it makes them, it, it, well, you know, I, mm. and if they can't answer that question, that's where we yeah. stop and say, okay, yeah. this is what we need to know. You know, and it's one of the things we talk about, and I'll get to the specifics, but we talk about walking people up the benefits ladder, you know, and very often in a presentation, I will start and say, or one of our other presenters will start and say, how many people here have ever missed their kid's soccer game or basketball game because they got stuck at work trying to solve an IT problem? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody ever, um, you know, called home and said, honey, I, I, I know we have the anniversary dinner tonight, but um, this thing happened and uh, we got, we had a security breach and everything went south and uh, uh, I, 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 an hour at the most, you know, an hour and, and like these <laughs> hands are going up like, yeah, that was me, that was me. So as soon as you tap into that kind of human piece, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, look, you know, I could read you a laundry list of all the features and all the benefits and all this, you know, this stuff and how it's faster than this, or, you know, it's, or it's more robust, or I could use the word solution 500 times, but none of that matters if it doesn't make your life better, yeah. you know, and the way that, you know, and what our technology does is make your life better. And now I'm going to explain to you how it does it. How many people here have ever experienced this problem? Great. And then I might say, okay, it's, it's impossible, right? It's a vexing, vexing problem. How do you put all these pieces together? Like I'm holding up a Rubik's cube and it's completely scrambled up. Somebody scrambled it up in the audience, right? He said, there are 32 quintillion possibilities for how this thing could be solved. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have the spare time to figure them all out, right? Yeah. So what do you want to do? You want to automate a process. You want a process that happens in the, and now I'm standing there and they're watching my hand and I'm not, I'm just gesturing and stuff. You're, you know, you want the problem to be solved in the background. You don't want, you don't, you know, you might know how it works, but you know, it's like, who cares how it works? I want my VCR to work back when we were using VCRs. I want computer, my computer to do what it's supposed to do, right? The, the complexity of it and all the, the printed circuit boards and all that stuff, that's not my problem. You want it done like that. And then I hold the cube up and it's solved. And they're looking at me like, wait, did he switch it out with another cube? I said, exactly. You didn't see me do it. Yeah. And isn't that the point? You don't need to see, we don't need to see how the sausage is made. Sometimes yeah. you don't want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> I mean, if you knew how the sausage was made, you would never eat the yeah. sausage again. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? So... Let us handle the complexity. Let us put the stuff in the back. I mean, that's just one example. But, you know, the technology itself, when I did those two $20 bills, the first time that I did it, um, I, um, I actually used it for a client, for, for one of our biggest clients, the one that we've done a lot of shows in, in Dubai for, uh, Bitdefender. And they had just released something called hypervisor introspection. Now, you want to talk about a term that doesn't exactly roll trippingly off the tongue. You know, you're not going to like write a quick little song, you know, a, a, a jingle about, I got your hypervisor introspection. You know, you're going in the right direction. If you want a vivisection, you know, whatever. I mean, you're not, nobody's going to be like, oh yeah, baby. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I remember asking them, I said, I don't mean to be rude, but what the hell is hypervisor introspection? I said, oh, it's HVI. I said, that doesn't help me. You know, they think they think the audience is just going to know this. And I said, yeah, well, how does it, I mean, give me the, give me the, give me the, the nuts and bolts of it just enough so that I can get in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Well, it started with 
you know, Citrix developed this technology, you know, and then Hypervisor and then a Bitdefender developed this technology and they gave me kind of a deep dive into it. And I went, ah, I get it. So the ability to look at raw memory, you know, so you could look at the absolute base thing and you could see when an attack was probably going to happen based on attack techniques. And I drew an analogy. I said, it's like if I was a fifth degree black belt and I'm watching somebody and I'm watching the way they set up to fight and I go like, ah, I recognize that stance. Yeah. So I know how I'm going to defend against it. So that way you would look at like um, uh, code injection or different types of techniques that hackers use, even though there's 50 million malware, um, malware attacks, they yeah. all fall into six or seven categories of types of attacks. And if you could identify yeah. the first, like the DNA of that, right? Yeah. The DNA of that attack, then you could attack it. You could, you could protect against it before it even manifests itself. Yeah. And they, once they explained that, I went, oh my God, that's so cool. And then I came up with the martial arts analogy and I was kind of doing this like, and I brought somebody up on stage yeah. and I, and they planted themselves. And I said, I see the way you planted your foot and people are laughing. Like the guy's six foot five, I'm five foot six. I'm like, it really doesn't matter. He could kill me anyway, but you know, <laughs> and everybody laughs. And I said, but the point is I have an advantage because I could see something that he doesn't know I can see. And that's the same thing. And then I said, in another way of thinking of it, here's their value. Here's our value. Boom, boom, boom. It's a hundred dollar bill. And so now this thing that was otherwise not particularly intrinsically interesting is yeah. suddenly, wow, cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's, that's what, that's, that's the hardest part of our job is yeah. to, is to take whatever the messaging, whatever the story is yeah. and try to extract the human piece, the possibilities for making, for changing the context, taking yeah. it from high tech and taking it into a car repair, taking it into, you know, um, uh, an argument between a husband and wife. We, we've done yeah. that. We've had two people up on stage arguing about some kind of a domestic issue and the audience is laughing their asses off, but we start using the language and we just immediately switch from this domestic issue into this technical issue. And it's a yeah. perfect parallel. And the people yeah. just, they're laughing because everybody knows about arguments yeah. that you have with your wife or your husband, yeah. right? So that's Absolutely, kind of the way yeah. Absolutely. I love that approach. What you're doing is you're taking something so uh technical and putting it into uh everyday terms okay that people actually understand in in their day-to-day -day lives and mm -hmm. I, I, I love that and so, that's the thing so that why one of the reasons that i'm i so like feel a synchronicity with you is because you understand i mean when i got to your website yeah. you know and and your five e's and all of this stuff it was oh yeah empathy energy right you show up yeah. like you're not phoning it in you're yeah. not there because your boss told you, you got to go here 10 times a day. You got to get up and do this PowerPoint presentation, yeah. but at least at night you get to play craps. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, I, I get to the show and as soon as I hit the show, the show floor, it's like, oh man, it's going to be fun because yeah. you're working yeah. with people. I mean, the thing about doing trade shows for me, which is really weird is unlike when I was doing theater in New York and, you know, the Colorado and California, you know, when you're up on stage, people are paying to be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they, you know, they're playing to see the whatever mammoth play or classical theater piece or whatever you're doing, or as a musician, because I'm a guitarist and I've been in rock shows, you know, when people pay, you know, good money to see you play and you're paying for 2000 people, that's exciting. Yeah. What we betray is you're playing for people who don't necessarily want you to be there or do even want it or even want to be there themselves. So yeah. this is, it's not like it's fun right off the bat, but yeah. it sure is rewarding when you get like 80 people in an audience who are like, what do you got? Yeah. <laughs> this is the 15th booth I've been to in the last three hours. 
If you tell me you've got a solution, I'm going to slap you in the face, right? <laughs> and, you know, and if you can get those people, you know, like, oh my gosh, and then storm into the booth and say, that presentation was the best thing we've seen at the show. That was so much fun. I can't yeah. believe it. And then the guy at the demo station will say, what do you remember? He says, well, you guys did blah, 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 and hypervisor introspection. And that's why I'm here. I want to find out, you know, how this is going to protect my network, yeah. you know? And it's like, and I hear that. And that's like, that's, that's, that's gold for me. That's like, yeah. that's as good as a standing ovation, you know, in an off-Broadway house in New York. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the feeling. It's the same rush. It's the same ego gratification. Yeah. It's just a different yeah. venue. Music to your ears, no doubt. No kidding. Yeah, music <laughs> literally and figuratively, right? <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, let's talk about, um, you know, um, interactive engagement after COVID. Okay. Oh Obviously, um, it's not going to be the same. Obviously, the, the days of, you know, pitching up on the corner and um, getting together a crowd of, you know, 50, 60 people, uh, I don't think they'll be uh, coming back for the next, at least for the next 12 months, I would say. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so what do you, what do you think um, uh, exhibitors are going to have to do? How are they going to change that interactive piece now? And uh, companies like us and yourselves, um, you, you know, how can we, how can we help exhibitors, um, you know, still do that interactive engagement, but obviously bear in mind all the uh, issues uh, around COVID? Yeah, that's a, that's a, another great question. And, and it's one that, that we are dealing with, you know, we've rebuilt our website. And the first thing that's popping up on the website when people launch it is we are prepared for, you know, the, uh, you know, the new health yeah. and safety protocols. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because my business was and it is so much predicated on contact, on client contact. I mean, we pride ourselves, you know, on putting somebody on a little two by two platform at the corner of a booth and pulling in 150, 200 people and then, yeah. you know, moving them en masse into the booth. Now, obviously, we're not going to be able to do that for a while. That will come back. I believe we'll get back to that. But it's going to take. It's going to take a while, even if an exhibitor says, well, we're comfortable with it. You know, the attendees are still going to be, you know, we, we're, we, we're already so conditioned to this notion of social distancing yeah. that, that if you watch TV and you see or some, you're watching something and you see a concert, you go like, yeah. those people aren't wearing masks, you know, and it's like <laughs> from five years ago. You know, we're, yeah, we're already conditioned to the yeah. new normal, right, or whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, tricks, for example, that end up like this with a card in my mouth that was just in somebody's hand no i'm not going to no. be doing that anymore yes. but companies still have to sell product they still have to communicate their message they still they still need their qualified leads so it's you know absolutely still going to happen we're simply going to say well look where in the past you might have put somebody at the corner of the booth to pull people in there's going to be little marks on the floor people are going to have to you know socially distant so the emphasis and in some respects this might be a solution to a rather vexing problem of trade shows, which is that people make the mistaken no have the mistaken notion that pure headcount is the is the metric of success at a trade show. Yeah. To come home yeah. with thirty seven hundred or forty five hundred leads yeah. after a three day show is that's it. We've justified our expense. Yeah. But if you parse those out to the salespeople and the salespeople pick up the phone and they go, um, hi, yeah, I just wanted to uh, check, check in with you. We were, um, you know, we, uh, you stopped by our booth at uh, the what? The t-shirt? Oh yeah, it was a great t-shirt. <laughs> and uh, the little flying monkey with the, 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 the scream. Yeah, that was great too. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of your, your needs for, oh, you don't know what we do. No, I just, 
Oh, you don't care what we do. Uh, okay, great talking to you too. So, right? So how many times, how many times is a salesman going to do that before he says, I am not calling one more of these idiots, before, right? It's over. So, yeah. you know, these were not qualified leads. These were people yeah. who were basically doing their Christmas shopping on the trade show floor, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. maybe now, because we're not going to be dealing with these ungodly numbers, we're going to be looking at, oh, really quality leads, you know, people yeah. who are actually there to get the message. So, you know, we're there's still going to need to be the getting people to stop, you know, it, it may not be quite as aggressive and it's not going to be necessarily, you know, four or five booth hostesses in the booth, scanning badges in a, you know, in a frantic, uh, you know, in a flurry and then bringing people in, sit down, sit down and handing them a giveaway and whatever. Yeah, 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 it's going yeah, to be yeah. a little bit more reserved, you know, and maybe there'll be, you know, uh, a smaller theater of 10 or 12 seats and maybe another 15 or 20 people standing. But the basic goal is going to be the same. How do we communicate your message in a clear and entertaining way to make it memorable or sticky, as you like to say, as I like to say in marketing? You know, how do you, first of all, how do you stop them to get them attracted to the booth, then yeah. communicate the message? And then how do you create a compelling reason to get them into the booth? And it might just be that your demo areas are only going to be able to accommodate two or three people per demo area. Yeah, you know, so yeah. maybe you'll have more demo areas. Maybe you'll have them, you know, stretched out so that you can get a few more people in the booth. Maybe you'll decide that instead of doing a, a 10 minute presentation once an hour, you'll do a one or two minute presentation, you know, something really, really quick. We're just going to talk about one little feature, you know, as people are coming by and maybe they're just all standing. So if they're nervous about coming into the booth, you have six or eight at a time, you do the presentation, you move those people to the demo station, take a 10 minute break and start again. We used to do a, what was called a one minute presentation because a company gave us like 10 different things they wanted to talk about. We wrote 10 one minute presentations and we would do them on rotation all day long yeah. and just keep, you know, so there was a constant flurry of activity in the booth. So, you know, it's just a matter of, will our presenters wear masks? Probably we'll use, we'll use uh, lavalier microphones, maybe under a face shield, you know, if that's, if that's the protocol of the booth. I had a client ask me, she said, you know, David Blaine, that guy that freezes himself in a block of ice, could you do that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, for five times my day rate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll stand Absolutely. there exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No problem. I'd be willing to I love your company so much. Hypothermia is totally on the table. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to present a challenge in itself with the face masks because sure. if you don't have the shields, and uh, some people like me who are partially deaf, obviously who rely on lip sync. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be, that's, that's gonna be interesting, right? Right. Yeah, that's gonna you know, be made, uh, I mean. Quite honestly, there may be there may be subtitles on the screen. I mean, I you yeah. know I think people are going to try you know to develop really creative solutions. The show that I've got coming up at Hims, the healthcare show in August, yeah. they've just they've said, look, we're going to have um, we may have not a face mask, but we may have you in kind of an isolated area, almost like with teleprompter screens. Yeah, you know, so that you know the audience will be able to see you, they'll be able to hear you, but you'll be behind like a, a like a guard, you know, yeah. like you would be. And so you know, if I'm doing magic if I happen to be doing magic as part of that engagement, then there's, you know, any one of a number of these illusions that just happen in my hand are yeah. still viable, are still effective, are yeah. still allow me to communicate. Um, if we're doing a game show, you know, it might be a thing where people play individually, you know, at their, at their pods or we have a couple of game shows where people can use their phones yeah. and they play on their phones and there's really no contact at all. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we're incorporating any other kind of infotainment, somebody riding a unicycle, whatever, well, they're 10 feet up in the air. So they're already 
isolated and, yeah. and socially yeah. distanced yeah. and it's every bit as yeah. effective right so Absolutely. i think yeah. i think it's going to require like like any kind of thing you know the best type of engagement is just dialogue with our clients they look yeah. How big a booth were you planning on having? How many, you know, what are your goals? Do you want to get real engagement? Then maybe we should consider reconfiguring your booth in such a way yeah. that you can, that that's, you know, that the theatrical presentation maybe isn't, isn't central to what you're trying to do. Maybe it's yeah. smaller satellite presentations. Each one has a little sound system so that one person can talk to two or three people in kind of a semi-isolated area and be heard. And you could have that going on all day long. And then we just provide some kind of an attract to get people into the booth. So again, yeah. it's all just, it's gonna be very bespoke, you know, yeah. very customized. Absolutely, obviously. yeah. I think one thing I'm really excited about um, is uh, the personalization and actually giving people the right kind of attention uh, mm -hmm. because the less the, the crowd, the more time you actually have to be able to spend with them. Okay, and mm -hmm. I think, um, whereas previously you mentioned a lot of exhibits take the approach of, you know, can I scan your badge, can I scan your badge? And that kind of really devalues the whole exhibition process. Yeah, um, but actually giving them that personal attention and being, you know, asking them questions and making it more customer centric. I think that uh, that to some extent is a blessing in disguise with uh, COVID coming along because what you're going to get is some really valuable time with two or three people. So you can actually um you know um get more quality rather than the quantity uh, exactly. onto the booth yeah yeah so do you feel that um it's also going to be a 365 day approach to exhibitions right now because um I, you know previously it was you know uh, the exhibition was the centerpiece for the whole year for some companies for example mm -hmm. um whereas now um, with the conversations that we're having with clients. Um, it's a kind of an approach of, you know, let's see where ex exhibitions fits into our overall sales and marketing strategy. And it just becomes one point of contact, if you like. I think so, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I discovered from, as many of us have discovered over the past 14 months or so, is, you know, at first companies would said, well, what are we going to do? We're not going to do this trade show. Well, we'll do a virtual trade show. And, you know, many of them came to realize that, you know, some kind of an avatar, you're trying to encourage people to come to a virtual booth. Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough to get people to come to an actual booth, but to yeah. come to a virtual booth when there's nobody watching them, there's no, you know, it's not like yeah. they have to feel, well, this is going to be rude if I get up, you know, and walk away. They can, they can literally just be sitting here and all they have to do is make a little video of somebody going like this. Yeah. and loop it, you know, and then they could just yeah. go and have breakfast, you know, go yeah. out and come yeah. back and they're still sitting there nodding. So, yeah. you know, it's, and we've seen it, we've seen it with some very big companies who spent millions of dollars on virtual trade shows. And it was a, a huge waste of money because they yeah. would have people there for the CEO or the keynote rather, but yeah. nobody would show up for the breakouts or the little, the, the virtual booths. Yeah. However, what companies did come to realize is we still need to engage with people. So what if we did a, you know, a forum of some yeah. sort where we have, yeah. we pick our strategic partners and we say, hey, here's an online thing that's gonna go for three hours a day for two days. And we're gonna be able to do a deep dive into some of the technology that you might be interested in. And we, a lot of the work that we've done over the past 14 or so months has been exactly that. We said, look, if you want people to sit there for two hours, you need to make it entertaining. So they would bring us in to do, we did rock and roll music videos. We did funny commercials, you know, commercial parodies. We did 
online, you know, engaging magic things, or we'd have somebody come in mixing custom cocktails, but the cocktail ingredients would be named for the technology products. And so we say, you know, you're, you know, you're going to make a server cocktail, you're going to make a this, whatever. And so that was, those were, we call them interstitials that was kind of woven throughout the, the presentation. And it, you know, we had some great results. We had, you know, one group, there were 5,000 people in attendance and they said they had, you know, virtually nobody dropped off because they were wondering what the next little bit was going to be, you know, and what kind of entertainment thing was coming right after this little speech. We encourage people to keep things much shorter. In some cases, they actually listened to us and they did. You know, um, Apple was very successful with one of their virtual events. They kept their presentations no longer than two or three minutes. They yeah. did it really, really well. Yeah. Um, so I think you're right. I think what people are going to look at now is, oh, okay, so we learned that we can engage this way with some people, but I believe we're all such social creatures. We want the trade show experience. We want the, you know, we want to be, you know, we want to be with our friends. We want to be in, you know, we want to actually, as they say in the car business, kick the tires, you know, you yeah. want to see what this really is. And, but maybe what it's going to mean is that companies are going to say, well, look, we used to, we used to appear at six shows, four of which were like, well, you know, they weren't great results, but we didn't want to be conspicuous by our absence. So we felt yeah. like we had to show up. Yeah. And if suddenly they realize they don't have to show up yeah. and that keep, that gives them, you know, half a million dollars to play with. Well, then maybe they're going to think, okay, well, let's figure out some other kind of engagement that can be some kind of hybridized thing between a lot, you know, or take the live presence at the trade show yeah. and shoot that, you know, and use elements of that as a follow on piece that can then be used and leveraged during the year, you know, so all of a sudden this spend, if, you know, somebody's paying, you know, $150,000 for some kind of live presence at the show, but then they spend a little bit more to get it videotaped, you know, to get all these different elements sort of put into a package that could then be distributed to customers that can be shared on their websites, whatever. Now they're looking at it, as you say, as part of a, an overall marketing strategy that just yeah. includes a piece that's live at a trade show and everything's integrated. I mean, that's what it yeah. should be. It should yeah. all be a single, the story should be consistent whether you're on a trade show floor or trying to communicate through an SKO or through a virtual summit or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, in terms of, um, I'm going to give you a scenario now. So uh, what, uh, if you were an exhibition planner um, um, for a company, okay, and you had, um, you know, a, a budget of, you know, uh, X amount, what, how would you prioritize that budget? Would you spend it on the booth? Would you spend it on the engagement? What, um, what, what would your advice be? You know, that's, I'm glad you asked. It's um, it's very often been the case in our 20 plus year um, history where companies will come to us and they will say, um, okay, <clears throat> we've got a 20 by 20 and we've got the booth design. That's all taken care of. And uh, we know who's coming to the show and uh, we've got all this. And now, you know, we were just talking about this. We probably want to get a presenter or somebody that kind of had, you know, help bring things into the booth and stuff yeah. like that. And and typically, what I will do is I used to have this uh, this little piece of uh, software, an ROI calculator, and I would say, all right, yeah. let's sit down and figure out what you've spent so far. And they would give me, you know, well, the booth cost this much money, and it was a hundred dollars a square foot, so that was forty thousand. And the booth design was another seventy-five, and drayage cost thirty-five. And you know, by the time they're done, you know, they're like one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. And then they say, we don't have much budget left. And I'm like, okay, 
how many leads did you get that mattered to you? They said, well, we got, you know, 175 or whatever. I said, so you spent $175,000, you got 175, you know, leads. So that's $1,000 a lead. That's what you paid, $1,000 for each one of those. And how many of those do you think converted? And so we're typing all these numbers in. I said, if you added 10% or 20% to that, added another $35,000 and you got five times as many leads, click, 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 click. Well, now maybe you're, you know, now you're paying $200 a lead. So when they would see that, they sometimes go like, oh, yeah, no, that does make sense. But we still have very little budget left. So, <laughs> you know, my, my, my argument has always been one of the first things I had on this list of like top 10 things, top 10 trade show tips was don't get the biggest booth you can, yeah. you know, get the, get the biggest booth you need. You yeah. know, if you have this much stuff to bring to a show yeah. and a 20 by 20, will do it. That's 400 square feet at hundred dollars a square foot. That's $40,000. If you get a 40 by 40, that's 1600 square feet. That's 16, you know, $160,000. So, yeah. you know, if you spent that, you know, take the difference and, and, you know, what's, the design for the house doesn't make it a home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All it does is yeah. create a shell, yeah. you know, and what you put in the house, that's, that's the love. That's the family. Yeah. That's the content. That's the yeah. thing that matters. Yeah. You know, if you, no one has ever come to a trade show and, you know, and been inside of a booth, having the time of their life, having just have had a great experience at the theater and then having a wonderful one-on-one -on -one with, you know, with, a, with and getting their problem solved and walked away saying, that was a great presentation. I just wish the damn booth had been bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're ever going to hear that ever. Yep. I've never no. heard it. Yep. Never. Right. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I think the idea, it, it almost feels like it's backwards, you know, like you should, yeah. that the ideal scenario, which is why partnering with you is something I'm so excited about it, that literally just made the hair stand up on the back of my neck when you talked about how early in the process you were engaged, yeah. you know, because when people are sitting there and they get excited about the trappings, it's like spending all your money to design the most beautiful business card, you know, yeah. when you haven't really articulated what your customer's concerns are yet. You know, you spend, you got this three-dimensional thing with laser cuts and it pops up and it does this thing, flies around the room. But it's like, who cares? doesn't yep. matter. Piece yep. of paper that you yep. scribble your name and email address on. Yep. If you've got the right answer to the question, that's all you need. So, Absolutely. you know, yep. to tell people, look, don't get caught up with the exciting, the trappings and things and the back and forth and the arguing about the color of the damn trim on the thing. What it's, this is, this, you can deal with that. It's important, but it's not, you know, articulate who, you know, what do you want? What do you want at this show? And how does this, as you say, fit into the year long, you know, package? Are you, are you, you know, get the smaller booth? Do you even have to be at that show? Yeah. Is that the right show for you? You know, yeah. do a little, you know, do some due diligence, say the heck with everybody else being there. Maybe this show is really our target market. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's own that show by having the right story, the right message, you know, and not having a million other people competing in our marketplace. You know, if we didn't need to be there, let's be here. You know, it's, yeah. Who do you want to go out with? You yeah. want to date the most popular person or do you want to do, date the person that you fall in love with? I yeah, mean, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, It's all about the people, isn't it? So I would love to do at some stage in the future, I think if we do a collaboration, we would love to uh, showcase uh, a blank booth with four blank walls with nothing on it, with just our people and see how effective um, we would actually be in terms of generating um, the amount of leads. Okay, because I think what you do is you do that and you give everybody marker pens and spray cans and yeah. you have them design the booth. 
<laughs> said, look, we couldn't come up with a design for this booth because we really wanted it to be about you. So yeah. here, here's, here's, here's five different colors. Here's five different brushes. Get up yeah. there and just start designing while I do my presentation. You know, yeah. anything <laughs> you think of, anything you happen to think of while I'm talking, just put it on the wall. Yeah. You know, and by the Absolutely. end of the day, you've got this like weird, incredible, like uh, <laughs> you know, modern art piece. So now we're going to yeah. cut this into six by six things and we're going to sell them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's been a pleasure. We could obviously talk all day. Um, uh, I, I think we will when we actually get together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much likewise, for taking likewise. the time out to talk to us today on our podcast. And uh, a labor of love. Thank you. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing you in Vegas at Exhibitor Live and um, look for looking forward to our collaboration. So it's been likewise. a pleasure. Thank you very much. So, uh, um, so there you have it, uh, the great Ken Newman uh, with his philosophy on uh, interactive engagement. Um, so I hope you managed to get a few tips there. Um, so until the next time, thank you very much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you for podcast number seven very soon. Thank you.